this morning. Well, all of us have felt like David felt in this psalm at one time or the other in our life, and that is overwhelmed. This and that and something else, but all lumped together. It may not be one thing or even two things, but it's this and that and something else, and everything all piled all together has overwhelmed us. So I want us to take a few minutes today and Let's talk about some of the reasons why that we may be feeling overwhelmed today. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the remedy. So let's begin this morning by talking about the reasons. And and the reasons for our being overwhelmed could be many and varied. And I, I just want to suggest five this morning. Perhaps this morning you are overwhelmed in your heart because of relationship issues. And that's exactly the case uh, with David and why he is overwhelmed in our text. I want you to notice with me Psalm 55. But notice down in verse number 12 through 14. David says, it is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I, I could have hidden from them. Oh, instead it is you. It is you, my equal, my companion, my friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Wow. David said, I I could handle hurt and pain and disappointment from one of my enemies. In fact, I, I would even expect that. But to be wounded, all to be hurt, all to be mistreated by one of my dearest and closest friends. David said, that's that's just about more than I can bear. I'm totally overwhelmed because of it. Oh, David said, what sweet fellowship. What good fellowship we once had. Oh, he said, we even broke bread together in the house of God. Maybe that's you this morning. Perhaps something like this is going on with you today. Perhaps a friend has betrayed you. Even worse, maybe your own spouse has been unfaithful to you. Uh, Oh, maybe they secretly misspent your life savings. Or maybe you just found out about some secret addiction that they have. Perhaps it's a relationship problem with a son or, or with a daughter or one of their companions. Maybe it's a father or a mother who's experiencing a midlife crisis and they've gone crazy. Relationship issues can certainly cause a person to become overwhelmed. Maybe it's resource issues. Hey, money problems can certainly be overwhelming at times. <laughs> I kind of agree with what one fellow said. He said, I've never had problems with money. (laughs) But he said, I've had a whole lot of problems when I'm without money. (laughs) Somebody said, oh, I would love to be able to pay as you go. They're talking about pay as you go today. I would love, he said, to be able to pay as I go. He said, if only I could catch up to where I've been. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody else said, there's one thing that money can't buy. (laughs) What it used to. (laughs) Yeah, amen. Maybe that's you this morning. Perhaps you have dug yourself into such a deep financial hole that you wonder, will I ever be able to dig myself out of this? How through this this financial situation in my life, I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed. 
Could be a rebellion issue. Perhaps you've got a son or you've got a daughter that is in rebellion. And they are literally breaking your heart as they go their own way, ignoring the teaching and the training, ignoring the godly example that you lived before them. Surely the rebellion of the prodigal son was overwhelming to his father. You can read between the lines, but, but I'm persuaded that no doubt the father had great plans for his younger son. Oh, they would, they would, oh, work the family farm. They would work the family business. They would work the family land together. The father and his two sons and how they would get married and then they would produce grandchildren. How the father had it all planned out and they would all work together. And oh, oh, no doubt the father could envision family dinners and fun times together. They would work together. They would laugh together. They would play together. It would be one big happy family. The two boys living out the principles and the teaching of the father. And then for him to sit back and watch them to all teach and train and instill the same attributes and principles into into their children, his, his grandchildren. But oh, something happened along the way. Something happened that derailed all of this for him. Because some way, somehow, the younger son wants none of it. He wants none of it. How he rebels. He takes the money that his father is willing to give him. He takes off. Oh, to try a different kind of a life. He takes with him the father's money, but leaves behind his father's morals and manners and models. No doubt word gets back to his father from time to time about the wicked conduct of his son as his son totally rebels against everything his father ever stood for, everything that his father ever instilled in his life. And word gets back to the father what a wicked and a horrible and terrible life that this boy is living. Friend, no doubt the rebellion of the younger son rocked the father's world. I have seen firsthand what the rebellion of a son and a daughter can do to their parents as I have watched my own siblings. I have watched my own parents grieve over the rebellion of their children. You can see the heartbreak and the pain in my parents' eyes. And no doubt... They beat themselves up. No doubt they've cried themselves to sleep many, many nights thinking and wondering, what did we do wrong? Where did we go wrong? We're talking about overwhelmed today. David cries out to God in our text, listen to me, don't ignore my cry for help. God, I am overwhelmed by my trouble. You may be here today and you can relate to David. Because your situation has overwhelmed you. Oh, it might be a relationship issue like David's. It might be a a resource or money issue. It might be a rebellion issue. It might be a responsibility issue. That was the case with Moses. 
as the leader of the children of Israel, maybe somewhere between two and three million people. How? Because of his, the leadership of this giant organization of people, he became overwhelmed with a responsibility. And because of that, God used his father-in-law to speak wisdom into the life of Moses on how to distribute some of the responsibility. Let's read about it in Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18 began reading with verse 13. It says, And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, as he did every day. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Well, it is too good. He's performing a service. He has a ministry. He's doing something good. Yeah, it's good. But the way he's doing it is not good. The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. Can you imagine sitting for all day long hearing the gripes, the complaints, the problems, the difficulties of a remnant of three million people? And can you imagine being in the back of the line waiting your turn? <laughs> you and these people who are with you, they'll, you'll wear yourselves out. This thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. He said, you need to assemble the people together and you need to teach them. You need to preach to them. You need to minister to them. But then also, verse 21, then you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. And then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden for you. He said, give them the principles, give them the laws, give them the teaching, tell them what the word of the Lord is, the whole mass, and especially those that are in leadership, teach them and train them, and tell them what the the word of God is and what the word of the Lord says. And then you get captains over thousands or hundreds or fifties or tens. And let them judge over them according to the teaching and the training that you gave to them. And if you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. 
And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands over, uh, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. I could take an hour this morning and talk to you about church growth and why most churches don't grow. And one of the reasons is that pastors are not willing uh, to relinquish some of their authority. They're not willing uh, to empower uh, other people like Pastor Houston or Pastor Carl or Pastor Steve or, or one of the deacons or whatever. They're not willing to relinquish any of their authority or their power. They think they're all God's man of faith and power for the hour. They're the only one that can pray for the sick. They're the only one that can make a decision. And therefore, you can only have about 100 people because that's about all that one man can serve and do it all. The second reason why most churches don't grow is because most churches won't relinquish, won't let the pastor do that. They don't want Pastor Houston to come and pray for them at the hospital. They want Pastor Benson. What, is he too good to come for me? They don't want Pastor Steve. They don't want Pastor Carl. They want the big dog. That's another sermon. I'll save that for later. I'm going to tell you, we're there right now. We've got 450 people that call this their church home. I I can't do it all by myself. I've got to have some pastors to help me. I've got to have some staff. I've got to have some leadership, some deacons to step up. Amen. And I've got to have some people to understand that when Pastor Houston comes and visits you in the hospital, it's just like I'm there. Because if it wasn't for me, he wouldn't be here. Because I went and got him. And it's not that I don't love you that I don't go the if, if I don't go see in the hospital it's because and he shows up it's because I do because I knew there's going to be a time when I couldn't do it all and I want to make sure we were all taken care of so I went and got this man and this man and Carl and whoever else it is, Amen. To help shoulder the responsibility. So that the man of God can do what he really is supposed to be doing. And that is seeking the face of God. That is fasting and praying and seeking God. Amen. And preparing his heart. Amen. So that when he stands up on Sunday morning. Amen. He's got a word from God. That's a nice little sidebar. Amen. Perhaps you are like Moses. Oh, you have allowed yourself to become overloaded with responsibility. You've said yes too many times. You're trying to be Superman or you're trying to be Wonder Woman. Oh, when you add up all that you do between home and work and and church, oh, between trying to be a good parent and trying to be a good grandparent and trying to be a good spouse and trying to be a good friend and trying to be a good employee and trying to be a good church member. And when you add it all up, you find yourself running here and running there and doing this and that and something else. And people are pulling on you from every direction. It's a wonder that you haven't been pulled apart. Listen, this morning, no one ever lived, no one who ever lived had more responsibility than Jesus. He was responsible for the salvation of the entire world. He had people pulling and tugging on him all the time from every direction. Multitudes ran after him. But what did he do? I think we can get a clue what we ought to do when you see what Jesus did. What did he do? Well, a couple of things he did. Number one, he chose 12 men to share the responsibilities with. Yeah, he chose 12 associates. 
He he chose 12 men to share the responsibilities with. And out of the 12, he chose three to give the greater responsibilities to. And the second thing he did is he took frequent breaks. Jesus took frequent breaks. He would say to his disciples, let us come apart for a while. They might be in the midst of a Holy Ghost meeting. They might be in the midst of a multitude and miracles happening on every hand. And Jesus would say, let us come apart for a while. And he'd leave those people. And he'd go out for some R&R. You see, Jesus knew that because of the incredible responsibilities, uh, if they didn't come apart, they would come apart. And friend, if Jesus realized his need of some R&R from time to time, who are we to think we can do without it? God said we need one day of R&R every single week. He called it the Sabbath. Well, if it's not relationship issues or resource issues or rebellion issues or responsibility issues that are overwhelming you, it could be regret issues. How many of you have ever experienced a day of stupid? You made a bad decision and you regret it for a long, long time. That one day of stupid. I love the story of the college football team that found themselves in a very difficult predicament. Both the starting quarterback and the backup quarterback had been injured in the same game, leaving only a freshman quarterback who was also the punter for the team. The freshman quarterback had never played even one down at the college level as quarterback. And the coach tells the rookie quarterback, do exactly as I tell you. Now, son, we're on our own three-yard line. I want you to go in there and I want you to hand the ball off three times in a row to our fullback and let him gain a few yards and then you'll have room to pump the ball. Pump the ball on the fourth play. The rookie quarterback goes in, does exactly as the coach tells him. He hands the ball off to the fullback on the first play. Somehow the fullback finds a hole in the line and makes 40 yards. Next play, hands the ball off to the fullback. He finds another hole, makes 25 more yards. On the third play, he hands the ball off to the fullback. He runs for 20 more yards. The ball is now on the opposing team's 12-yard line. The rookie quarterback punts the ball. Into the stands. As the team comes off the field, the coach grabs the young quarterback by the jersey and says, What in the world were you thinking? What were you thinking about? You punted the ball on the 12-yard line of the opposing team. What were you thinking? And the bewildered young quarterback said, I was thinking, we've got a stupid coach. All of us have experienced a day of stupid if we've lived very long. 
Mine was resigning a church that I loved all with all of my heart, and I resigned it prematurely. It took me three years, three years to get over it. I remember times in those three years crying out emotionally. And I'm not a very emotional person as far as crying. I'm emotional, but I don't cry a lot. And I can remember those three years, there were times just out of nowhere. I remember one time on the golf course. Now, there's times I need to cry on the golf course. <laughs> but I remember one time on the golf course with one of my preacher friends, just out of nowhere, out of nowhere, I just started weeping. I started crying. And he came over and said, what's wrong? I said, I want my life back. I want my life back. All of us have had a day of stupid. All of us can look back somewhere and say, I missed it there. I made a mistake there. Let me just clear this up this morning so you know I'm as happy today as I've ever been in my life. Never been a day in my life that I'm ever happier than I am right now. I won't clear that up. Would you know that? But I know from experience what that regret can be overwhelming. Oh, it can overwhelm you when you dwell on regret. Oh, oh, maybe you're here today and you're overwhelmed with regret. Maybe you walked out on somebody. or Maybe you said hurtful and damaging words to somebody. No, if you could only take them back. Maybe you got mad and you quit your job. Ooh, that's a day of stupid, ain't it? You didn't have anything else. <laughs> Maybe you bought something. <laughs> Maybe you sold something. I don't, it could be a host of things this morning, but today you are overwhelmed by regret. If you're overwhelmed today, it could be because of one or more of these five reasons that we've talked about today. It could be for a completely different reason. The reason is really, doesn't really, it's not important, doesn't really matter. What is important is that you are overwhelmed. You are overwhelmed today and you need some help. So let's talk a little bit today about that help. We've talked about some of the reasons you might be overwhelmed. Now let's talk about the remedy. The remedy this morning. If you find yourself overwhelmed today, for whatever reason, there are three things that you need to do. Number one this morning, you need to reach out to Jesus. Back to our text, Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. David was overwhelmed, but he knew where to reach out. When the woman with the issue of blood became overwhelmed, overwhelmed after 12 long years of a disease, she was no better. She was worse. Oh, she was overwhelmed. Oh, oh, but she knew who to reach out to. She said, if only I can touch the hem of the Lord's garment, I'll be healed. She did, and she was. Blind Bartimaeus became overwhelmed. Oh, he was blind. He had never seen the light of day. When he became overwhelmed with his blindness, when he became overwhelmed with the fact that he had to beg for his bread every single day, even though he was overwhelmed, he knew who to reach out to. And he cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. 
The Bible tells us about a man who had leprosy and by law he was an outcast to society. And by law he couldn't even come close to another person. But if he came close to someone he must cry out unclean. I, unclean, I'm unclean. There was no cure. There was no hope. Oh, there wasn't even much sympathy for him. And yet this leprous man, even though he was overwhelmed with leprosy, he knew who to reach out to. Matthew 8 and 2, the leper came and worshipped Jesus and said, if you're willing... You can make me clean. Jesus said, I'm willing. Be cleansed. The remedy, reach out to Jesus. First Peter 5 and 7 says to cast all of your care upon him because he cares for you. Yes, my friend, Jesus cares for you. He loves you. He wants to help you today. Whatever is overwhelming you today, Jesus cares. Let me encourage you today to reach out to Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you've reached out in many different directions. Oh, in the past you've reached out to family, you've reached out to friends, you've reached out to doctors, to counselors. Oh, you've had treatments, you've had procedures, you've had prescriptions and nothing seems to work. Let me help you this morning. Reach out to Jesus. He is the great physician today. Reach out to Jesus this morning. The remedy, number one, reach out to Jesus. Number two, rely on Jesus. See, it's one thing to reach out to Jesus. It's another thing to trust or rely on Him. See, here's what happens too often. We reach out to Jesus. We call out to Him. But if He doesn't do exactly what we want Him to do, if He doesn't respond exactly like we think that He ought to respond, then we take matters into our own hands. We do our own thing. And usually things become worse. Friend, once we have reached out to him then, uh, and once we have involved him in the situation, we need to trust or rely on him. One of my life verses, Romans 8 and 28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love God and that are called according unto his purpose. Hear me, friend. God doesn't cause everything that happens to us, but he causes everything that does happen to us to work together for our benefit and for his glory. Friend, not everything that happens to us is good. Bad things happen to good people. But God uses the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it all together works together. Amen. For our good and for his glory. What's the remedy for someone who is overwhelmed? Reach out to Jesus. Rely on Jesus and then simply rest in Jesus. Psalm 37 and 7. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently. For him. Psalm 94, verse 12. Blessed is the man, oh, whom you entrust, O Lord, that you may give him rest from the days of adversity. And Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 28, Come to me, all you, oh, who are weary and, uh, and heavy laden and carry heavy burdens or are, are overwhelmed, and I will give you rest. The worship team can get back in place this morning. Friend, whatever you are facing, whatever you are going through today, whatever the reason for it today, if you are overwhelmed this morning, God is here today. He's here today. And God doesn't want you to be overwhelmed. And it's not that you're not facing a giant. And it's not that the problem is not real. It's that the giant is a midget if you compare the giant to God. 
And it's that you are not alone in the situation. Because there is a remedy. Reach out to Jesus. Rely, trust in Jesus. And rest in Him. Let Him calm every fear. Reassure you of His presence. And saturate you with His love. Very quietly and very quickly, I need four prayer altar workers to come. Stay in within the perimeters that I ask, please. Real quickly, would you come? Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today. Father, I just pray today. Father, that you'll take the word of the Lord that has been shared today. Father, I know in my heart, I know in my spirit. Father, I don't even have to know that way. I know just by the law of average that in a group this size, there's somebody here today that is overwhelmed. It might be something that I've described today. It may be something far different. They're overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed. They don't know what to do or where to turn. God, I pray this word will help them today. But Lord, not just this word, but I pray that you'll help them to seal this word in their heart by coming forward and getting prayer this morning by one of these altar workers or getting alone by themselves, between themselves and you. Brother Clay is going to begin lead us very quietly this morning in a chorus. Why don't we all stand this morning? It seems to make things easier for everybody that would respond. If everyone is standing, at least people tell me it does.